Hello everybody and welcome to the Let's All Talk Fertility podcast brought to you by The Fertility Show. For this podcast we're heading over to the Let's All Talk Fertility Lounge at The Fertility Show 2023. The show brought together some fantastic people from across the world of fertility. On our Let's All Talk Fertility stage this year some fabulous people shared their own fertility experiences while also giving help and advice to those who needed it. Before we head over to the stage, I just want to take a moment to talk about Randox Health. They've formed a range of female health and fertility blood tests designed for women at every stage of life. A great one that many of you may need to hear about now is their fertility health package. The bloods for this measure over 45 data points, which will go a long way to helping you understand your hormones and ovarian reserve better. Then there's the standalone female hormone health test, which will help you find out if a hormone imbalance could be affecting your mood, weight or energy levels. They've also got a test for polycystic ovarian syndrome, which will give you some answers so then you can get treatment. Then moving into their general tests, their menopause or every woman full body health test ranges from hormonal health to heart health to digestive health and much more besides. All these tests help a woman learn so much more about their bodies so they can act quicker. And as I always say, knowledge is power, people. So if you'd like to try out one of these female health tests, head over to Randox Health now and enter the code EVERYWOMAN at checkout to get you 10% off any test you need. But back to the podcast and we're heading over to our session entitled Coping With Loss. Sophie Martin, also known as the Infertile Midwife, Kate Ingram, also known as Without Ottilie, and Jade Leanne, also known as the Mindset Mama. These inspirational women have dealt with the blow of infertility, also the blow of baby loss, and have gone on to talk publicly about their experiences to help others. Let's head over to hear them now. So let's start with the obvious. Let's ask you all a bit about why you're here today. Let's start with Katie because you're right here. So Katie, otherwise known as Without Ottilie, tell us a little bit about you. So I am Katie Ingram. I um, had a roughly 10-year infertility story, give or take months either side. Um, It took me a really, really long time to accept that actually... Yeah, I was infertile and was going to need help. Um, But when I eventually did, I went into IVF um, and got pregnant on my second cycle. Um, And my daughter had a reasonably easy pregnancy. I loved being pregnant and it it wasn't too bad in terms... Like, there were a few kind of bumpy moments. Essentially, it was a a really good pregnancy. but at 39 weeks, I was taken, I w- was induced, or I went into hospital to be induced, and that morning found out that um, my daughter's heart had stopped beating. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I was th- 39 weeks um, that day. Um, and very quickly, obviously, that's kind of heartbreaking and horrendous, and, and, and it sort of sends you into a bit of a spiral. Um, but I realised very quickly that nobody really knew what to say. Even in the hospital, nobody really knew what to say. Um, it was over Easter weekend, so the bereavement midwife wasn't there. Um, and it just kind of kept happening that people didn't have any words. Um, and gradually that kind of, I, I, from a marketing background, and gradually that sort of started to resonate with me. And I, um, during lockdown, set up a campaign. I, I found writing really helpful and I started Instagramming and blogging. And um, and then during lockdown, I created a bit of a campaign called No Words, which was all about trying to give people the language to explain loss. So 
there's kind of multi multiple layers to it, but essentially helping people know what to say, talking about it in general, because we don't talk about it, and that's why there is no language for it. Um, and then also, there isn't a word for a parent like us. So a parent outliving their child is just unimaginable for most people, and therefore it just isn't really talked about. But we understand orphan, we understand widow, we've got these terms for people who've been through grief, but there isn't a word for us. So if somebody says to me, do you have children? Or now I do have um, a living child as well. Um, you know, is she your first? My answer is always going to be, well, no. But then I have to go through a really quick understanding of like, do I want to tell the story? Can you handle the story? Do I want to? And I'm always going to say no, but I have to tell the story. Whereas if I could just say, actually, I'm a still parent or whatever it might be. That's the kind of phrase I've landed on at the moment. And everybody knew what that meant. We could then move on and they could either ask questions or not ask questions and we'd all feel more comfortable. Um, so that's the No Words campaign is kind of what brings me here today because I believe really passionately in creating the language around baby loss. Oh, so eloquently put and so true. And I think if we haven't been on that journey, we wouldn't even have realized that actually there is no word you're so right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Casey. We're going to move on to Jade now. We'll come back and talk to you in a second. Jade, what's your story? Yeah. Um, so my name's Jade Devonish and I live on the south coast of the UK. And I've been, and I still am going through infertility now, nine years in. So I'm considering myself a professional at the infertility stuff. Had four rounds of IVF, a couple of rounds of OHSS as well, thrown in some hospitalizations. And I feel like I've got really into the swing of things now with the infertility. Um, I've got a little girl born through IVF. She's five and a half, um, going on 15. And it was when you said about the whole infertility thing right at the beginning, it was really hard for me to swallow too. I totally related with lots of things that you said. Um, uh, but I, I also lost a baby last year, sadly, at 13 and a half weeks. And there was absolutely nothing in the world that could have prepared me for that. And when you said about the no words, and I thought, it was triggering me and I thought you're so right so the reason I'm here today is because I'm still coping with loss so when I was first asked to talk in this section of baby loss I'm really good at talking about infertility and I do talk about loss but I'm still moving through it so I actually reframed it and thought actually this is really helpful because I'm sure there's going to be people here today that are sadly as fresh with loss as I am and it's okay and I just want to be able to be part of the conversation and open up about how I'm owning these feelings and I'm a different grieving mother on different days and I'm exactly the same when someone I was at an event this week and somebody said so how many children have you got and I went I've got two I've got two babies one is with me and she's five and a half and one is not with me and that that is I think it's amazing that we're having this conversation um and I hope I can add as much value, but what you said then was just so, so amazing. You absolutely add value because, but the question is, I guess, that's just come up from that chat, Jade, is are you ever not coping with loss? Well, that's it, because I remember when I first, when I first lost him and I, I really struggled to talk to anybody and I'm, I'm such an extrovert, I'll talk to anyone about anything, but I locked myself away at home. I wouldn't really talk very much at all. And then somebody said to me, I said, I, I'm not a, I'm not a mum anymore. Yesterday I was, my friends were asking me about baby showers and stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm not a mum anymore. And my friend said to me, you are, because if you weren't his mum, who is? 
you went through the IVF for him, you carried him, you went to the scan, you had to sit there when they told you that that baby's heart had stopped beating. So if you're not his mum, then who was? And like, I show up on different days and some days I'll need to go to the gym because I know I need some endorphins from there. And some days I'll just need a day in bed, letting it out. And some days I'll need a day journaling maybe and writing down and some days I'll ring up a therapist and say, right, I need to do some tapping or some talking with someone that's impartial. And I guess that's, it, it never, ever leaves. In, infertility never leaves you and loss certainly doesn't either. We were saying earlier, weren't we, Sophie? I said, I don't know, I'm excited about the show. Do I wish I was at the show with what I know? Not really, but if we're here, we're here to do good. So I'm really grateful for you being here and so, so early into your loss as well. Yeah, thank you, thank Jade. You. Sophie. So Sophie and I met lots of years ago, well, indirectly, we haven't actually physically met, um, and you had not long given birth to your twins. Can you tell us your story? But bearing in mind you're the infertile midwife, which yeah. makes it, I think we can all agree, extra hard. Yeah, so um, I'm Sophie, everyone. I go by the infertile midwife on Instagram. I um, am a practicing midwife, and a few years ago obviously realized that I was infertile and I needed IVF and I was what I would say fairly fortunate if you can ever say that in the fact that I did fall pregnant on my first round of IVF with identical twins um, and I kind of thought maybe I wasn't that infertile I was like look at me um, and had a very anxious pregnancy um, and unfortunately when I was 21 weeks pregnant I went into spontaneous labour um, and my twins were both born alive and then subsequently died. Um, obviously being below 24 weeks we can't resuscitate them so I just had to sit there and watch them die which was obviously just completely devastating not to mention then I had no um, no access to maternity um, maternity leave and then obviously was expected to go back to work fairly quickly afterwards. Um, so seven weeks after I gave birth to my twins, there I was back in antenatal clinic checking <laughs> over mums and babies. So um, it is definitely an added complexity to what's already a very challenging situation. Um, following that, I had all sorts of awful things, but short summary is I have done now 10 rounds of IVF um, at still counting um, and I have one son at home called Percy who is very very wonderful but um, infertility and loss do never leave you and it's not just midwives but there are so many people out there doing jobs which are difficult when you're living through infertility and loss so teachers nurses you like social workers there is, and it's not just um social care and healthcare. there are so many jobs out there where people are actually doing a really tricky job which then is even harder when you're you know having access to children or pregnant women or other things that are triggering you all the time i mean for some women if you work in a female only team that's triggering because all of those women are pregnant, especially midwives are all, always pregnant. Um, so it's, it's, just, you know, it's, it's not just limited to midwives, there are loads of people out there who are doing tough jobs and that's kind of what really triggered me to speak out because I thought, well, I go to work every day and we all talk about periods, we'll all talk about, oh, how was your birth, how was this? But no one was talking about being infertile. I, was, I literally felt like the only infertile midwife in the world and I'm definitely not. And so that was why it was really important to me to start speaking. And Sophie, we're talking in today obviously about coping with loss and as Jade rightly pointed out you know you, you, you know you're never really over it ever that it will always be with you but what coping mechanisms do you have when you have the bad days I definitely have had many many times where I say that I am not coping so it's not that you have to cope all of the time um, but I guess like 
sharing has been really helpful for me. It, it, I, it's a form of, because I'm not really into journaling, but I guess writing is my form of journaling. So like sharing what's happened to me is the main thing that's helped me. Obviously, I know that that's not for everyone. Some people do feel very private about their journey. But um, for me, I guess sharing and talking to other people has been the main thing that's helped me. And if we pass the mic to Katie, I really love the fact that you call the non-coping days treacle days. Yeah, I've the treacle days, yeah. So why and how do you how do you cope with those days? So I think there are days when just everything feels heavy. Um, and, and, and it feels like you're wading through treacle. That's, that's where the treacly days come from. Um, and that isn't just me, that's my husband as well. We, we both felt that at the beginning. Um, and those days can come out of the blue. You don't necessarily expect them. And um, Ottilie would have been four just a few weeks ago. And those days still hit you out of the blue every now and again. Like I know when I'm coming up to her birthday or, that it's gonna be tough, but actually I was standing in the supermarket and we, referred to Ottilie as Tilly and I just heard there was a little girl wandering along and I heard her mum go Tilly come on and I was like like there it is it, you know and it, that can wipe me out for a little while and I think it is just about kind of owning that grief a little bit like it's it's okay that you know you are grieving a human and we're not, it's madness just to expect you to carry on um, I am incredibly fortunate that my employers are both my friends and my colleagues, and they get it, and they uh, have been with me right the way through from the beginning of IVF to now, and they give me that grace. So there, there's been a few times, coming up to the Christmas after she was born, I'd gone back to work um, because I actually just needed to be normal. I, I had about six months off, um, and uh, it was like the Christmas party day, and everybody was full of beans, and I just felt horrendous. And my boss looked at me and said, what do you need to do? where do you need to be? And I said, I need to be with her. And he went, we'll go. And I just went home, got in the car, and I went to, to the graveyard where she is. Um, woodland, it's not a graveyard. Um, and I felt better just for being there. But there are other days when that wouldn't make me feel better. So it is just about going with your gut, um, for me. And definitely sharing. Like, it's always been, for me, like if I can make one person either think about their own grief differently or feel like they're not on their own then 100% I'm doing this because it makes me feel better too like if I can if I can help someone else feel better mm. it just makes it, it makes my bad time feel a little bit less painful so what you mentioned it was uh, Tilly's birthday soon what do you do to remember her on her birthday do you mark it yeah so this year I I'm not necessarily what I know a lot of people kind of do the cake or the party or kind of almost have their birthday like they're still here and that doesn't really work for me but I went to see her I spent some time with her um I just kind of chatted to her really sometimes I take her sister sometimes I don't it's all, and on her birthday I didn't this year I um I went on my own actually can't remember why Oh, it was a work day. That's why I was like, why was why was I on my own? Um, so yeah, I still Noah still went to nursery. I went and just spent some time with her. I took the day off work and I just did what felt right that day this year. Um, but it's um, always around peonies season as well. So and they really stand out for me. So her, her birthday was in April, but then the peonies come and that's that for me feels. I when I um, I laid some peonies with her when she was buried and. That, like there's little things I do right the way through the year that mark her and write 
I say that we talk about. And doing stuff like this, people often say, how do, you, how do you do it? And actually, everybody talks about their kids. This is just the only context I get to talk about her in. So I, days like today feel like I'm, to, I'm marking her. Lovely. Thank you. And Jade, I, I know you're quite fresh, but have you got any way of marking... I, do you know what? I was listening to you then, and you speak so beautifully. She does because speak beautifully. it's still so fresh, and I still see. I call them griefy days when some days like grief will come knocking at the door, and you just have to. I've tried resisting it and just getting on, and it, some days you just have to let it in and sit with it and acknowledge those feelings and validate them because they are real and they do count. Um, so I have not really anything set in stone that I do right now. I'm still dealing, and I kind of, it makes me feel bad that I don't have anything set in place. And I was hesitant about saying it, but I'm sure that there might be other people, I'm conscious that other people might be listening, thinking, I'm so new as a lost mum too. I also think it's important that you don't, you could say to me now, we don't, you know. I know that you probably do, but some people might not want to, and that's totally fine too. I just, because I want people to learn from this almost, like yeah. how to cope, that might be an interesting way. Coping's a big word. It's what huge. does coping mean? I mean, yeah, the exactly. fact that we're getting up and we're showing up every single day through these big, yeah, massive, massive, heavy, ugly feelings is coping incredibly well. Absolutely. And whatever that looks like for you might look like different for somebody else because every loss is different and everybody navigates it differently. The one thing I do have is a teddy that, right, my little girl bought when I was carrying the baby. Um, and I sleep with that teddy every single night unless she comes in and asks for it. And sometimes she'll say, can I sleep with your teddy tonight, mummy? And then I go in and I give her a kiss goodnight and I give the teddy a kiss goodnight. And that is something that I've got there. there I want a blossom tree outside because of the time of year that we found out the baby died. Um, but right now I'm just, I'm struggling. And do you know what? I get, I'm learning, if anything, to give myself grace yeah. in these big feelings. There's no manual that comes with this. None of us want to be going through this. I'm just, I'm just giving myself a break because Absolutely. none of us deserve this, you know? None of us asked for it. And the worst thing we can do, and I found that a lot with infertility, is I invalidated my own feelings a lot. And I'm not, I'm not prepared to do that with this. It's uh, the fact that I'm still here today and I've managed to even come and talk about this, give myself a huge pat on the back for that because Absolutely. it's heavy and it's hard. So I've got my teddy bear, but nothing else. I just, I just do what, do what I do. Day by day. Exactly, step by step, minute by minute, day by day. That's so important. Sophie, what would you recommend for people who are really struggling? What, what tips would you give people apart from to obviously let yourself feel it? Yeah, I mean, on a practical level, yeah. there, I would recommend that if you are struggling, that you go and see your GP, um, because obviously there are lots of resources out there, although I would definitely say that there's not enough baby loss resources out there, so um, I would go and see your GP just so that they, they can offer some support to you, but there are quite a few charities around like Petals and other baby loss charities, so um, the Twins Trust have a specific Twins Bereavement Centre on their website, um, you know, Miss Carrots Association, SANS. Um, SANS I found quite useful um, after I lost the twins. So they, I don't know if they do them now, COVID times, but um, would they used to do a monthly meeting and it would be in your local area and it would be other parents who have lost a child. So me and my husband went to quite a few of those. That was quite helpful. Um, one thing that I found really useful just for me was 
and I've always found this, but reading, so I went, I've, me and my husband call it the infertility library, but I have almost every book that's ever been published, it feels like, on, on baby loss or infertility. And so for me, reading other people's stories, I found quite useful. Um, so yeah, that's what I That's a really found. good idea, yeah. really good. Have anybody, have any of you got any other tips apart from, I know that uh, Jay just very, really candidly just said that actually you just have to give yourself some slack because that is the biggest thing and I don't think anyone does enough but any other tangible tips Katie if you want to join in I, I think it's a little bit like infertility itself actually I think there's alternative therapies whether that is uh, talking therapy massively helped for me um, and I had I think I was offered 12 weeks of therapy through the hospital but then I was fortunate enough to be able to fund some for myself and that, that really helped me but often there's like employee networks or you know often companies do have various different um talking therapy things that you can access and that does even though you it feels like a really difficult thing to talk about trusting the professionals to help you support you is, is really important and then i'm just really sentimental i'm like dripping in jewelry that means something like i've got a rainbow bracelet and an o and a they're both in this locket and like it just really helps I've got a tattoo as well like I've done it all and um, but I've got all of the things that kind of make me feel like I'm still carrying her with me and I think that's really it just gives me those moments of feeling like you know that connection to her um but broadly day by day day by 100%. day how much did Instagram help? Because, of course, oh, no. part of the reason we're here is because you're such big Instagrammers. Has it helped you, Jade, a lot? Massively. Um, I always joke about how I totally fell into, I guess, advocating on social media. Um, and I, I, I think I said at the beginning, I felt really comfortable talking about infertility because I'm so far into it. And there's, like, some humour to be had in the fact that pessaries are so awful and make you feel uncomfortable and that you've probably got a closer relationship with your fertility doctor than you do, like, your friends at some point, you know? Um, but there's no humour to be had in baby loss, so I found that quite dark. But it's, it's a selfish thing for me. I offload and it makes me feel lighter. And the fact, it's, it touches on what you said earlier, the fact that if it can help someone else, like, the messages I get, I feel like this pain wasn't in so much pain then, like it wasn't, it, this whole journey hasn't been for no reason. I sort of feel like it was for a reason, although I just sort of show up, share what I'm going through and in turn tend to be validating other people's feelings and letting them know they're not alone. It's just a massive offload for me. I'm so thankful. And so many people have so, um, so many negative opinions about social media, but for me, it has been its own form of therapy and I'm forever grateful for the platform. <laughs> oh, I love it. You feel the same, right? Yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah, so that's I, the reason that you started, wasn't it? Yeah, I joined social media, or Instagram specifically, because I was really lonely. So when we were first going through infertility, so it's before we'd started IVF, um, I was so upset. Every pregnancy announcement would floor me. And I was like, surely I'm not the only infertile person that is here in the world. But it felt that way. So I, re I just felt so low and so lonely. I felt like I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't know anyone that had gone through infertility at all. Or at least I did, but no one was telling me that they were doing it. And so I set up an um, Instagram account and it was anonymous. And I 
I just was scrolling one day and I typed in the hashtag like infertility and it was like, wow, there are so many other people who are going through this too. Um, and I just wanted to be part of it because I felt so lonely, essentially. Thank you. I'm going to just ask if anybody would like to contribute. There's no pressure. Thank you so much for today. I had an ectopic pregnancy about two years ago. I know that you talked about your teddy. There's a, I don't even heard of a charity called Aching Arms. You get a free teddy. Aching Arms. Aching Arms, and they've been brilliant. Because with my ectopic, that was about five and a half, six weeks. And I think because it was so early as well, like I didn't get to have a scan. The scan was at the hospital. Um, and having nothing is really difficult. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, no one talks about it and it's incredibly lonely and I find Instagram really helpful because I'm connecting with other people as yeah. well. So Aiken Arms has been brilliant and then there's another charity um, saying goodbye where they have the, um, the services and I think because there's nothing concrete for me to hold on to, I think having something physical like um, a service to say goodbye was really important to me because you don't get to have those rituals and I think those rituals for me are really important to know that it happened because mine was so early it's like it didn't happen and the world moves on and it sticks with you. I, I think out of everything this is the one thing I do resonate with because every year people light candles don't they for baby loss awareness day it's a week and at the end they light the candles and I was always lighting them for other people because I thought you know it was only for the babies that had continued on in pregnancy but every IVF round where I lost an embryo I didn't feel it was for me this candle until last year when I thought no this is for every embryo that went and I do I get this I yeah. resonate with this and I thank you I, I think Everything you've both just said is so true because, so I've had lost, failed, fa like horrendous I language, know. failed embryo transfers. I've had an early miscarriage. I've had, obviously, Ottilie at 39 weeks. Um, I, I've lost egg, eggs in the fertilization process where you just, the numbers are going down and down and down and down and nobody tells you about it. You kind of go into IVF thinking it's a, a fix and it isn't always, and that's really difficult. And I always say, people often say to me, oh, I lost the baby too, but it's not as bad as what happened to you. It doesn't it's, matter. No. Because it doesn't matter how early you lost your baby. You lost your baby. And, and I, you know, I've lost a baby at nine weeks and I've lost a baby at 39 weeks. I grieve them differently. I've had a difficult physical experience, but I've still, there's still two babies that I've lost. And, and that, that's huge. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I think, uh, for me, it's one of the reasons why I think the 12-week rule is utter madness. Because... It, as I, in, I just, don't tell people. Don't tell anyone yeah. until you're 12 weeks. Oh. Well, if you lose your baby at nine weeks, then you haven't yeah. told anyone. Yeah. You've got to go, oh, I was pregnant, but now I'm not. Well, that's a lovely conversation. I mean, it's not a nice conversation anyway. But I just... It, it, it's a stupid rule in my head. Not everybody might agree, but it, it basically comes in because that's when the NHS give you a dating scan. And so everybody's decided that that's the point at which you're allowed to talk about being pregnant. And it's pregnant. the idea and of it being rubbish. unlucky. Yeah. And Ridiculous. I, just all of these things. And I think it's so important. And to your point as well, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it, yes, it's early, but it, it's still your baby and you're still allowed to grieve it for as long as you need. And, yeah. and two years later, it can still have that... A real emotional effect. I had five um, miscarriages, um, all before 12 weeks, and so 
I really felt that because my I never got to the dating scan um, that my pregnancies never mattered and um, I always walking out of the hospital with nothing was the hardest part for me um, I now do have a charity where I have a stall today um, Chasing Rainbows is a recurrent miscarriage charity for anyone with two or more losses and um, I created a wish bracelet oh. um, it's called Too Beautiful for Earth and it's just so that women can have it put in their pocket. It's got a little sticker on saying you might not want to talk right now, but they might want to talk when they get home um, or you know, weeks or years down the line. And I made them because I just felt that I needed to walk out of the hospital with something. Um, and after there being no heartbeat at my scan, I just felt like it's such a lonely feeling, always feeling like I never sort of got there. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Let's All Talk Fertility, the podcast brought to you by The Fertility Show. We hope you found this session useful. Thanks again to Randox Health. And remember, if you want some money off one of their female health tests, head over to Randox Health now and enter the code EVERYWOMAN at checkout to give you 10% off any test you need. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed it, please give us a good review and share with those who you think will benefit. But for now... Thanks for being here and see you for the next one.